Let's see. Are you good? It's close, yeah.
part of Christendom or Christianity, they might call themselves two people in the world, those who don't get it and those who get it. And what I mean by that, that's our way of saying today what Jesus said to them and what Peter said back in response. Jesus said that they were grumbling, and he said, do you take offense at this? In other words, what Jesus was saying was, don't you get it? Don't you get what I'm saying? And many in the world who claim to know him don't get it. Because they grumble because they can't understand what he's trying to say. Or There's difficult passages, and we, we know that as true believers. So he said to them that the flesh meant nothing. It wasn't going to help them at all. Not being a Jew, not being a title, not having all, this, all the money in the world wasn't going to save your soul. But he said it's the spirit and his words that give spirit and life. And he said there are some who do not believe because he knew from the beginning who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said that's why they couldn't come. And it proved that they didn't get it because they left. They heard and they heard enough and they departed. And Jesus knew they would go. But he said to Peter and to the disciples, he said, do you want to go away as well? And Peter said, Lord, who shall we go to? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed you have come from God. You're the Holy One of God. So Peter echoed what Jesus just said when Jesus said, The words I have spoken are spirit and life. And Peter said, Yes, you have the words of eternal life. What he was saying is, We get it. I get it. And that's a question for you today and for me. Do you get it? You, you, and I pray, God, we all do here today get it. And maybe as you go out this week, you'll say, Do I get it? Do I Sometimes I have trouble with the word of God myself, difficult things to know. But I'll always say, like Peter said, where are we going to go? You know that. You know there's nowhere else to go. So we can say that we get it. I had a, I, speaking of the gospel, and we're talking about evangelism this Saturday and such, I had a button made up my lovely wife put on it. You can't really see it, but it says, I get it. You put it right here. Good witness tool. So if anybody comes up to you and could say, what does it mean? I get it. You can say, I know this, that Jesus has the words of eternal life, and I have believed and have come to know he is the Holy One of God. Amen. So you ask yourself today, do you get it? And if you get it, you have to say, I get it with me on three. One, two, three. I get it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that today that we do get it in the sense, Lord, of our faith and eternal life because of you. As was said earlier, Lord, you gave it to us out of your mercy, that you knew us, Lord, from before the foundations were created of the earth. And, Lord, we thank you for your kingdom. In the book of Daniel, we read about a kingdom that was coming in the days of those kings, in the days of the Greeks and the Romans. And that king would be an eternal kingdom, and it would be one that had a stone cut with, it was a stone cut without hands, and it would crush all the kingdoms of the earth. And that kingdom has already become, Lord, it has come. Jesus said to us that, uh, the word of God and the kingdom is near you and shall be in you. And, Lord, we've seen first fruits of your kingdom through the apostles, and, and it's already bearing fruit, and it's bearing fruit even today. And we know, Lord, that ultimately your kingdom will come in a final state and that we will have new bodies and a new heavens and a new earth. But, Lord, we thank you that your kingdom is even now as we speak and that your people are salted throughout the earth, as, as the word of God says. This kingdom shall never end, and no man can defeat it. So, Lord, as our pastor brings forth, Lord, these words, uh, Jesus said the words of spirit and life, and that flesh profits little. Help us, Lord, not to listen with our, our human fleshly ears, but by your spirit, Lord, speak to us today, teach us, and help us to be 
boastful in you. The Lord says, whoever boasts, let him boast in this, that he knows me. And Lord, we can say that we know you because you've known us first and loved us first. And that you've come to us and given us revelation that we might be able to take in the gospel and the truths that give us eternal life. Bless him, Lord, and bless our time together. We thank you for your word of God through Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. Show us Christ. That's what we should be thinking, brothers and sisters. It's a challenge to me to open up the word of God and hopefully that you come away saying, I've seen Christ. If you don't see Christ in it, I take the blame for that. But it is contained. He is contained in the Word of God. And what an odd book we're reading, if I can call that odd, in the sense that the book of Ecclesiastes doesn't seem in some ways to be a book that belongs in the Bible. Now, you might say, well, how, how, in, the, how in the world do you have the nerve to say that? Well, maybe it's because you've never read the book of Ecclesiastes or maybe never read it that carefully, but you could come away after reading the book of Ecclesiastes, especially certain portions, where you might find yourself a little dazed by the contents of some of the things that you would read in it. The author of the book says that he, I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all things that are done under heaven. This sword travail hath God given to the sons of men to be exercised therein. So your task, the author is saying, is like mine. All of us have the task of trying to discover what is the purpose of living. Now that sounds very basic, doesn't it? But in reality, not a lot of people think about what they're living for and why they even exist. What's life all about? I've been at uh, deathbed sides, and maybe you have too, and I've heard what people have said about reflecting on their life and wondering, where did it all go? What was I living for? What was the purpose of my life? These are the kinds of questions that the author of the book Ecclesiastes is telling us about. Now, we don't know... Uh, positively who the author of the book is. It could, we could ascertain from the fact that he mentions that he's a son of David should, should certainly draw our mind out to Solomon as being likely the author of it. But I don't want to be so dogmatic and say it is because there's various statements in the book of Ecclesiastes that it might be a disclaimer that it's Solomon. But whoever it is, it's someone who's representing the royal court and as a spokesman for truth. And we know the Bible tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine reproof. Oh, you found the keys finally. Okay. She couldn't find the keys. So don't punish her. She just couldn't find the keys. And I was getting blamed. So thank you. The Bible says that the Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So we should expect whatever the Scripture says that it's written for our profit, for our good. But when we read certain portions of the book of Ecclesiastes, much of it, we come away a little despondent. It could even depress you. And I think the author himself felt that as well. But, you know, that's not inappropriate sometimes to uh, have a low blow because it might turn out good in the long run. For instance, the Passover had to be accompanied with bitter herbs that had to precede the eating of the Passover. Interesting. Why? Because the bitter herbs would give a sweeter taste to the roast lamb. 
You don't think of it that way, do you? How about when Jesus says, He that humbles himself shall be exalted. Unless you repent, you'll perish. But if you do, you get the benefits. Well, here I think the author, let's, let's say Solomon, is telling us that these things make us feel very sad, unhappy, disappointed. Life seems to be futile and purposeless. Turn with me now to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Uh, and I'm going to try to take, uh, take a bite that's bigger than I can chew on. But because of the character of the book Ecclesiastes, I'm going to read a large portion, but we're going to do it in three sections. So bear with me. Chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, verses 1. And we're going to go through this, uh, like I said, in three sections. I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity or meaningless. Here he's saying, I'm going to test you with pleasure. And even that's meaningless. I said of laughter, verse 2, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I search with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guilt guiding me with wisdom. How to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of men to do under heaven during the few days of... You have to give him credit for the earnestness of his search, the power of his words. He's very, very much in deep thought about these things. I can imagine the anxiety he must have had as he's penning these words because they are really reflecting the depths of his wounded soul and his troubled soul and his searching soul. Verse 4, I made great works. I built houses. I planted vineyards for myself. It's like he's talking to himself of everything that he has attempted and accomplished. I made myself gardens and parks and planted them Planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forests of growing trees. This kind of gives you a clue that probably it is Solomon. Who could amass this kind of wealth and these kinds of uh, amenities? Verse 7, I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks more than anyone who had been before me in Jerusalem. That's quite a sentence. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, that's for sensuous pleasures, the delight of the sons of men. Verse 9, So I became great. And I surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my, re- my wisdom remained with me. Who wouldn't want to be, think of being jealous of someone like this? That it accumulated all of this. I think that's a hot. When we look at famous people, powerful people, people that are in high places, either governmentally or in sports world or theater, movies, etc. There's a bit of like, Envy about what they are, what they've accomplished, what their lifestyles must be, the lush that they live in, in Beverly Hills or, 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 or Palm Beach or wherever that may be. We might think, boy, they've got it all. They must have a happy life. Well, he had accomplished 
all of that and more. And he's saying, it didn't cut it. It didn't cut it. I think I told you last week that uh, someone I heard that was in the presence of Frank Sinatra at a party out in the West Coast when Frank Sinatra was in his prime had been drinking and he was punching the wall, literally punching the world wall saying, is this all there is? Is this all this is? Is this all? He was all confused and out of his mind. He could not state any joy or happiness. He was an unsatisfied man and yet many would look to him as being the uh, the top of the top of the hill, so to speak, the kingpin. But even he could not find satisfaction. Let's read on. Verse nine. And I became great and tre- surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, the wisdom re- remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. This was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity or meaninglessness in striving after the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. That would be our first section. What did he amass? Verse 1, pleasure. 2, Verse 2, laughter. Third verse, wine and, and embracing folly. Four, build houses and plant vineyards and then gardens and parks and vineyards. Pools for watering the forest of trees. Servants, herd and flock, silver and gold, singers and women. Surpassed all that were before him. You think he's on the top of the world. But not so, not so. He was what we might say, he was living the good life. The good life. That's a common expression that we use in our day. He was having the good life. But not really. There's something beneath the surface. Something that this world doesn't satisfy the human heart with. Like Augustine said, the heart is not filled until it is filled with the peace of God. The Bible says the wicked are like a troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And wicked their meaning in the sense that all those that don't have a knowledge of the true and living God are in a state of unrest like the troubled sea. And Solomon is appealing to that, a troubled sea. Our life isn't run by an in personal fate, thankfully, that would be most depressing. But our lives are controlled by our sovereign God, and that is a comfort. We can learn a lot from this book, Ecclesiastes. Oh, you're not in my... Uh... Can you get out of this to the pictures? The title? And then the next one. Search for meaning. That's what we want to talk about. Here's the Word of God. I guess that's Matthew there, but this contains the whole of Scripture. 66 books. One of those books falls into the category of wisdom literature. We said last week that the book of Proverbs teaches us how to live, but the book of Ecclesiastes challenges us with why should we live? Why should we live? And this is what Solomon is pondering, why should we live? You know, 
he was one, if, if you think of our lives as being, as individuals, as being pieces on a chessboard. And a chessboard contains, if I remember right, we have kings and queen. See which one I'm going to miss. Kings, queens, bishops, um, rooks, knights, and pawns. Did I miss anything? All right. Now, you that have played chess know that some of those pieces have more ability than other does. The pawn can only move like one or two spaces. Whereas, what's the one that can move the most? Is it the bishop? The queen, the queen, that's right. Can go in any direction, etc., etc. Sometimes people are looked at in this way. Like they have, they're, they're the best piece on the chessboard. They, they mean more than the pawn. But you know what happens at the end of the day? And this is sort of Solomon's point. At the end of the day, when the game is over, they all go back into the same box. Didn't matter what value they may have had in this life. It's in the one to come that really matters. Our brother was quoting a verse in Luke where Jesus says, For man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. We think that our life is valued by how much we own or how well or how long. I got a text earlier this, well, in the middle of the week, someone was telling me about a, an elderly woman that she had been taking care of and befriended over the course of years. And she just died at 100 years of age. And the, the woman that was texting me this was like going over and over again. She lived to be 100. She even lived over 104 months old amazing and she kept going on and I kept I, I wanted to write back but I tried to be careful and just say your life is but a vapor that appears for a little time and then passes away a hundred years 50 years 20 years all of our life is but a vapor that appears for a little time and passes away life is short death is sure sin is the cause but Christ is the cure hallelujah to that Christ is the cure because death is ends all of everything. Therefore, even wisdom, as beneficial as it may be, is only short-lived as well. Look at this next slide here. And we said about the living the good life. It's the other slide. No, let's go back. This is it. Plato said this. Man is a being in search for meaning. Man is a being in search for meaning. You might say, well, that probably has been true historically and many people probably were more thoughtful about life than we are in the 21st century. I think we could all say amen to that. And I think a lot of the reasons why people don't think is because there's things that clog their mind. The word muse, M-U-S-E, means to think, to meditate, to concentrate on something. The word amuse means to not think. And we have a lot of amusements, okay? Things that take our mind away from thinking. Amuse means to not think. Guess what the devil's best trick is to deceive people? Not think. Because if you think too hard or too long or too deep, you might come up with something like this. I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all things that are done under the heaven. And he comes away with despondency. A modern day philosopher, Schopenhauer is the name, 
puts it this way, and you'll see its similarity to the book of Ecclesiastes. It is really unbelievable how, looked at from the outside, empty and meaningless, and felt from the inside, dull and unconscious, the life of most people goes by. It is a weak longing and dragging oneself along, a dreamy tumble towards death, accompanied by a series of trivial thoughts. Such lives are like clockworks that have been wound up and that move without knowing why. And each time a human is conceived and born, the clock of human life is wound up anew. To repeat once again the same old story that has been already told countless times before. Let's give credit to Solomon, if Solomon's the author here, for his thoughtfulness. Let's read now the next few verses here, beginning in verse 12. So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly, okay? So now this is another chapter in his pursuits. Now it's a pursuit of wisdom and folly. So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly, for what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. Amen. So the book of Ecclesiastes certainly has some wise sayings in it that are worthy of our consideration. I think I may have said last week a little bit about how the book of Ecclesiastes has helped me personally in how I adjust myself as a Christian person in this world. And sometimes we can suppress sometimes the things that God wants us to naturally be enjoying. And I think the book of Ecclesiastes can set us right in some of those areas. If you have a tendency to be legalistic or have had a history of being legalistic about things and you had a lot of rules in your life, you live a very restricted life and maybe a lonesome life because you have all of these self-imposed rules and whatnot that you've put on yourself, I think the book of Ecclesiastes could help you to tell you how to live. Just living life. Apart from the life of Christ, not I shouldn't say apart from the life of Christ, but with the life of Christ. The Lord doesn't rob us of some of the things that we think we need to deprive ourselves of to have a good Christian life. That's not true. And I think the book of Ecclesiastes can give us that right balance. Let's read on. Verse 13, Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light and darkness. I just read this. Verse 14, The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. There's no difference. There's no advantage. Verse 15, Then I said in my heart, What happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? I said in my heart that this also is meaningless or vanity. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. You see, death is the closing of the book. And then he's hawking back and saying, what advantage then was it to have all that wisdom rather than folly or foolishness and darkness compared to light and truth and wisdom? Death sort of like set the record straight. That's what he's thinking at the moment. Verse 17, so I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me. 
For all is meaningless. I'm using that word meaningless. I like that a little better than vanity. I think it zooms in a a little better on what he's saying. And a striving after wind. Again, the futility of pursuit, of trying to figure it out on your own. And that's what it is. He's on his own, if you will. There's no divine light necessarily in the thinking of a man that thinks like this or a woman that thinks like this. It's just normal meditation. All right? And it will bring it to this conclusion. It's almost like saying our lives are pointless. Because everything is pointless. Let's read now the last section. The meaningless of toil. What does he mean by toil? Let's check this out. Verse 18. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. He builds it or whatever. He he erects this whatever he's going to do or builds a lifestyle a certain way for himself and then he's got to leave it to the follower of him. That's disturbing to him. Verse 19. And who knows whether he, that is his successor, will be wise or foolish. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and use my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. In other words, I'm going to leave it to this fool I put a lot of effort. I put a lot of work into this. And look what the end of it's going to be. It's going to fall into the hands of someone who's going to disregard everything that I put my heart and soul into. That's grieving to him. Verse 20. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. He's just thinking that what is the point of doing all of this? He's scratching his head in grief. Verse 21. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. Oh, these unworthy ones that follow. Yes. This also is meaningless and a great evil. Verse 22. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is meaninglessness. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. So he's sort of coming to a little bit of a resolution here. Because his mind is swirling like wind. Everything seems to be meaningless, but i still got to figure this out somehow. There's a, there's a certain path that I have to take. And sometimes he seems to come to a semi-conclusion on this is how I need to order my life. This also I saw is from the hand of God. Verse 24. What is that? That he should eat and drink and f- find enjoyment in his toil. That's a very practical saying, isn't it? I think that's one of those kinds of verses that is good for everybody. For us naturally, there's a spiritual and there's a natural that makes us up. It's not just one or the other, it's actually both. You can be a very spiritual person, but you could be a very unnatural person at the same time. And that's going to cause a... A degree of unbalance in your life and your ability to communicate and get along with people and to fit in with people and so on is going to be somewhat distorted because of that. 
And I think Solomon is giving us some good advice here. Verse 25. For apart from him, who can eat? That is apart from God. Or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and striving after the wind. There's a lot here that's going on in his mind. But you know, when we read this portion and portions that we're going to be going through through the book of Ecclesiastes, we have to be reminded. It says the queen of Sheba came all the way from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And we're getting some of that wisdom right here. But Jesus says, but a greater, a greater than Solomon is here. So it's important that we see the first Solomon as the lesser who's pointing forward to the greater. The wisdom that's from beneath is what Solomon is telling us, but the wisdom that comes from above in the person of Jesus Christ is the one truly worth listening to. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus said in John 1, uh, chapter 10, verse 10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So when we think of that phrase, the good life, let's change the wording and say, I'm living the abundant life. Because the good life is a misconstrued word in the mind of people, how they think of what is good. It's not the way we think of what is good. We're living the abundant life. A life that out of our innermost parts shall flow rivers of living water. We are the happiest people on the face of the earth. We've got joy, joy, joy down in our hearts because of the love of Christ that's in us. When God poured, as our brother was reading, Seth, when he was reading in Titus, it really talked about the Spirit being poured into you. That brings a, a change in one life. For we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers, lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. And praise God, it appeared to us. And He's given us the Spirit of God. We're washed in the Holy Spirit of God so that we think differently than we used to think. Jesus said to take His Yoke upon you in what? Learn of me. Learn of me. We need to be like Mary when Jesus came and they were entertaining him. She sat at the feet of Jesus. Whereas Martha, she was toiling. She was cumbered about with overmuch care. Both trying to be in the presence of the Lord and do what pleases him. Martha thought it was work, work, work. Mary said, hey, Let's put aside the cleaning of the house. Let's, let's let the uh, stove burn a little longer before we throw anything in it. I want to sit at the feet of Jesus. That's the kind of university we want to graduate from, right? The University of St. Mary's, who sat at the feet of Jesus and learned from Him. Learned from Him. He is still a teacher. He's not with us physically. But we see Jesus who's made a little lower than the angel. We're supposed to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. A greater than Solomon is here. The Solomon of 
on this side of the sun is going to bring you down so that you're going to say, like Nebuchadnezzar, I'm going to lift up my head to the heavens and I'm going to see one whose name is above every name. The one that's seated at the right hand of God and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's the one that we can go to. That's the great Solomon. And if the Queen of Sheba was willing to go from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear his wisdom, we have a greater one. And if it needs be considered a greater distance to go to get to this one who's worthy because he has for us all that we need that applies to life and godliness. Yesterday in, in, in doing some evangelism came across a fella and uh, had a history of drug use. He's only in his 30s. And I just had, said to him, because I've been doing a lot of research, and I wouldn't say research, but reading up so I can have a better understanding it, uh, standing with opiates and, and addictions that so many are having. And I, I, I may have mentioned last week that over 100,000 people in America died of overdoses last year. The majority of them are from fentanyl, okay? It's a synthesized drug that's killing people. So anyway, I said to him, I says, have you ever, ever overdosed? He says, yeah, oh yeah. I says, how many times have you overdosed? And I believe it, 17 times. 17 times and he's in his 30s overdosed that many times. Matter of fact, he carries Narcan in his pocket, Narcan, to help those that are overdosing so that they can, their lives can be saved. So I said to him, 17 times, and all those times you were that close to death, has it made you think about the reality of dying? And he nodded his head. He said, yes. But I don't know if he really gets it. You know why? Because the other side doesn't create any fear in people. And I don't want to get into the mindset of, a, of a, an opiate addict in why they shut off reality and how they can't re- really even think logically. But for the most part, even sinful, unsaved people don't even want to think about the life everlasting, the life after this life, because they think that this life is the only one worth living for. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. The old Schlitz commercial. You only go around once in life, so you might as well grab for all the gusto you can. Are you old enough to remember that? I don't know. Oh, good. Yeah, you only go around once in life, so you might as well grab for all the gusto you can. Variety is the spice of life. Well, Solomon tried all of that and it still left him empty. I don't know about what it was like in your pre-converted days, but because I was saved in my early 20s, I had a chance to experience things. Came close to death several times. Escaped the nightclub fire where 26 people died, etc. But in college, I had the opportunity at a liberal arts college, they'll run by the Jesuits, opportunity to read and study other religions. And I said, because I said to myself, why should I think that Christianity is the religion of truth? I mean, I'm brought up in America. My parents were from the old country. They were Orthodox Christians. And I grew up learning, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, that God exists in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that Jesus was the Son of God, He came into the world, was crucified, buried under Pontius Pilate, rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. Those were the standard beliefs of Christianity. And I thought, well, I, 
why should I just believe that? There are many other religions of the world. There are large populations of people on the globe that don't believe in Jesus or Christianity. So I set out on a, on a trail to pursue Hinduism and, and Islam and Buddhism. And the teachers I would stay after class with and I would converse with them. I would ask questions. And one of them, who happens to be a leading spokesman uh, on, on national television for Islam, um, he, he's, he, he was, and I think he still is, a Roman Catholic. And at the time, to me, I didn't have any understanding of the difference between a, a, a Roman Catholic and a Bible-believing, born-again Christian. I, I don't think at that time. But I said to him because he was so learned and versed in Middle Eastern religions, especially Islam. And he taught these courses, most of them, I believe, and I took several of them from him. And I said to him, his name is Esposito, Dr. Esposito. I said, Dr. Esposito, tell me, why is it that you've chosen to identify yourself with Jesus in being a Christian rather than some of the other religions that you teach about that seem to have so much good things and so much value in them. Why have you chosen Christianity over the others? Because I'm in search right now and I'm not sure. And this was his answer to me. He says, because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Wow. That is so true, isn't it? Doesn't Paul say the same thing? If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching, what? Meaningless. And your faith also would be meaningless. You see, a life without Christ is meaningless. As much meaning as you want to put into your life, it doesn't really amass to any true value. Jesus says, lay not for yourselves treasures on earth. And only worldly people can see that as being the treasures worth living for. The Bible says in Proverbs eleven seven, when a wicked man dies, his expectation shall perish. For the hope of unjust men perishes. Meaning that, this is the only life worth living for. There's nothing outside of this. I don't know what, what's, what's out there, but I know what's right here and I'm going to grab it while I can. That's the mentality of the worldly person. But Jesus shifts our thinking. This is the verse that started me on a spiritual path. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I never thought of the afterlife. I never thought of heaven till I read that verse at at 19 years of age, the summer of 1971, I said, wow, treasures in heaven, what is that all about? I have no treasures laid up there at all. I'm living for today, for this world. But when Christ came into my life in fullness and in understanding the gospel, it truly made my life and your life I take as well so much more full, so much more abundant, so much more joyous. We may have Solomon-like thoughts in our life, and I think we all do. I'm not, we're not living in some um, paradise world all the time in our minds. There's things that are rough and tough in this world. The apostles were on on the ship with Jesus in the boat <laughs> and the winds and the, and the waves are tossing them to and fro and they're scared to death and they got Jesus in the boat. What's there to worry about? We've got Jesus in the boat with us. Sometimes we make too much out of the wind and the waves and we have to realize Jesus is asleep in the boat. In other words, everything's going to be okay. Is that how the song goes, Mike? Or was that Bob Marley? Everything's going to be all right. 
with Jesus in the boat, everything is going to be all right. No matter what the diagnosis comes down the pike, everything's going to be all right. Because we got something above the heavens. This is all under the sun philosophy. I'm reading a book because of what I've been trying to deal with in Ecclesiastes. It's called um, The Ultimate Question, The Meaning of Life and Death. That's a good way of describing uh, the meaning of life and death. It is the ultimate question. Paul could conclude it by saying it this way, For to me, to live is Christ, that's the life, and to die is gain. What is the true meaning of living and dying? If you don't have Christ, you don't have a real reason to be living and you don't have a real reason to be dying or have any hope beyond the grave. The ultimate question has been solved by our greater than Solomon, our Lord Jesus Christ, who says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that lives and believes in me shall never die. It doesn't get any better than that. There's no greater wisdom. There's no greater knowledge. There's no greater person that could utter these things and give us this kind of consolation. So though we may go through periods in our time where we feel like we're in the book of Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. We're in this cycle of life that just seems like it keeps going round and round and round and no changes are happening. Well... We are encouraged to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told to let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. The capacity is granted to us to be able to access Him. We've got the Word of God to guide us as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. we got the brothers and sisters who can lift up our spirits and encourage each other. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. We've got good books out there on, in the library that we can borrow or we can purchase something on Amazon. Ask, what's a good book for you to read? There's multitudes on the, of them that God has give, given gifted men wonderful words to encourage us. In times like these, these are crazy times. This, these are tough times. I don't know it's going to get better, but I know that the Lord does. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's look to our great Solomon. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming into the 